Welcome once again to Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I'm one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal. And I am Rob Federick. Hey, and I'm Rob Schulte. You know, we just like to have fun here, guys. You know? <laughs> yeah, yes, we, we absolutely definitely, do. definitely do. And today, I think might be one of, I mean, every episode's great. But this one, I am, I know you guys are too, but I'm a horror fiend. Love horror movies. Yeah, Rob, we're in we October know that, now. We, we we know that you're a uh, horror fiend, and uh, we know that you love a lot of horror, different horror movies. And um, this one that you just picked out actually is uh, kind of interesting, intense, but at the same time, I'm, I'm going to probably give it the Superman two treatment. <laughs> you know what, though, I, I look, man, it's so funny that you say that because I was watching this movie again last night. You know, I always like to watch them before so I can refresh my memory if it's been a while. And the first thing that came to mind was, oh, God, Peter's going to hate this one. Oh, man, am I, gonna, and am I going to tear this sucker up, okay? Because it's kind oh, of man. boring. I mean, okay, all right. I'm not going to get into the specifics right now. But um, for everybody out there that is wondering what movie we are, reviewing today it is friday the 13th the original the 1980 version yes rob you are such a horror fan can you tell us why uh this movie was chosen by you today because i I, i'm very curious i am curious too i think that like so a lot of people can point to what is the you know what this 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 crumble or a little piece of an idea of what a lot of horror movies stem from. You know, some of that's 70s horror movies, some of that's, you know, um, mid-80s Halloween or, you know, late 70s, early 80s. I think Friday the 13th is a good amalgam of ideas put together to then create ridiculous horror movies that come after it oh you know? my god but you know what though again when we were talking about we talked about it in superman 2 and i think i always like to address this and i want to definitely get peter's thoughts on this because uh-huh. he he definitely seems like you know he's got a lot to say about it but again we, we i speak a lot about uh film language and how movies have evolved since you know we're talking about the 1980s and film language is is completely different. The way action is captured, the way tension is captured, the way horror is portrayed. Like, but back in the day, this movie was considered to be terrifying. Like this, oh com- yeah, this exploded what basically is the new uh, you know horror genre, like the modern day horror genre. So I'm just interested to see you, uh, Peter. It- Lay it on us, man. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. This is there's a few problems that I have with this movie. Number one, um, I feel like it makes everybody think that they can be a director. Now, um, <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, see, in the movie, it's very inconsistent, right? So the director always talked about because I, I I saw some stuff about the director, and the director always talked about how he wanted the audience to feel like they were the killers, right? They were the they were the you know they they're in the shoes of the killer, and the problem with the, with having something like that is, um, 
it becomes inconsistent. Like for instance, you see the shoe and that is like, okay, yeah, that, that takes you kind of out of it. And then on another shot, it's uh, you can see the person through the doorway, but you don't know really who it is. So it's inconsistent. Either you stick to one formula or you don't stick, don't stick to that formula. And another thing that I had a lot of frustration with are the names of the characters and then the, the motivations of the characters and, and, and just the overall direction. I think the way I put it actually is um, the director just wanted to find new creative ways of killing a victim. No character. No, there's, in my opinion, there's no character that I could, I could ally with no story. And, uh, and the director's just trying to find a new way to, 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 to take victims down. Well, I can, I can understand that. I can understand that, but I think that it's, uh, really funny to think about like well we've got a shoestring budget you know we've got a whole bunch of people that want to be in a film um what can we do and they still were able to have some amazing for the time and for the budget special effects well as cheesy as they are speaking of the special effects i mean again we're talking about film language so back in the day this was cutting edge Right. First and foremost, I, I'd like to say proudly, this was shot in my my home state of New Jersey. I was I was born in California. I consider California my home, but I grew up. My middle school and high school years were in New Jersey, and there are areas in this film that I can spot, like literally. Oh, I've actually driven through there, or I've walked through there before. Um, so that's really cool. And I've actually been to Camp Crystal Lake, uh, the real location. But Whoa. yeah, it's super cool, man. It's like it, when I was watching, it brought me back. And then uh, there's a whole ghost story tied to that, by the way, Rob, no which kidding. I would love to tell you about one day. But oh, the, man, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, I know. But the special effects were cutting edge back then. Like that scene with the arrow and Kevin Bacon, which we'll get to, actually took hours to film. And it almost didn't work, but it was one of the most effective uh, scenes in the movie. Even me, when I rewatch it right now, I kept grabbing my throat going like, oh. I heard that Tom Savini, like the pump didn't work on the blood. And so he had to blow from the pump with his mouth yeah. to get the blood to come out of his Kevin Bacon's neck. But it gushed out like in like the best way uh, oh, yeah. possible, you know? And also again, to, to test special effects, the funny thing is that, you know, they almost blinded an actor in the making of this movie, guys. Really? Oh was it Ke- was it Kevin Bacon, the only actor that, the only character I know in this movie is Kevin Bacon. <laughs> and you know what? Nobody knew who Kevin Bacon was back then. No, and I'm surprised <laughs> that he actually had something come of this movie because I'm just like, even his performance is kind of bleh. And I'll get into well, it why I think this is bleh, okay? Like, for instance, just as an example, I don't know if we're going to go scene by scene, but here's the thing. Like, uh, when, when the cop, when the officer comes over, they're looking for the, the crazy person, the town, the town crazy, and he's, yeah. in the, he's in the pantry. Like, there's no reaction from any of the girls. They're just kind of like, oh, there's a guy in the pantry, and he just left. And then uh, there's no, like, follow-up to that. There's no, like, oh, my God, what was he doing in here, you know? It was just kind of like, okay, well, we're going to make sandwiches now. Yeah, his name literally. is Crazy Ralph. It's in his name. Exactly. It's so crazy. But you're not going to have a reaction to that happening I in know. your house? I'm just like... And to your point, Peter, I think that like uh, you can only suspend your disbelief so much. And yes. that happens over and over again. But it's also what makes this a good just like popcorn chomper to me. Yeah, but the problem is, is that I tried to chomp my popcorn and I just kept on looking at it. And I'm like, okay... Uh, Mrs. Voorhees cannot, you're not going to tell me that she could throw a, a person through a window. 
uh, stab someone through a bed, through a backbone, through a sternum, and then out out the front. Like I, I, I just. I, and how I long was she hanging out under that bed, bro? She was there for the entire steamy action that was going on. <laughs> Uh, that resembled like a bad like '80s porn movie or some crap. Like, I don't, I don't, there's like weird uh, ADR grunting in that scene too. Like, oh God, yeah, <laughs> like, it's so weird, man. Oh but, my um, God. But you know, going back to what Peter was talking about, like uh, Crazy Pete, right? Um, crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph. Sorry, Crazy Ralph. And then uh, just the opening sequence, like with I think Annie when she gets in the car and stuff, and we think that she's the main character and all that. It was uh-huh. just, it was weird, man, because I look at that movie and I just look at movies at the time and it was like people didn't really dive into all the logistics of stuff. It was kind of like, let's streamline the story. And again, it, I think it just boils down to film language and then like kind of people realizing, well, this is an art form, it's going to improve, right? But there are scenes in this movie that are just like cringy going like, oh my God, like this is so poorly made, like in the sense of like, yeah, like this chick gets in a car with a guy and he's like, crazy kids and she's like yeah no. and like she's just like so carefree like doesn't at this point no one's gonna hurt me yeah exactly like i was like what if like in in today's movie day like any woman would be like this guy is probably gonna kill and rape me or something you know what i mean like it would yeah, be like he's already grabbed my butt yeah right when he puts her up yeah into the yeah total gropage I, I don't know if it was the 80s or what man but uh weird yeah all of it is just it is so weird to look back uh at it nowadays but i i don't i still enjoyed it you know i get oh, yeah. where where peter's coming from and well I no i mean like i'm not i'm not hating on this thing here's the oh, thing oh i know I'm, i know not, i'm just saying here's like, the, I, but i am pointing out flaws uh you know i mean like they're very lucky that this that, that he was able to make this movie at the time he was able to do it because it spawned something amazing i don't even see how people how how an, a producer or a studio exec could exec could gravitate toward this and be like, okay, we're going to make a whole series off of Jason who comes in at the end and uh, and 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 put him in a Jason mask which, or a which, by mask. the way, the original screenwriter Friday the Thirteenth hates all the sequels because of that. Actually, really, oh, I yeah. bet. Yeah, and I don't even think the hockey mask comes into like the fourth movie, which is really? wild to think about. Yeah, it's something to, to do with about. the decapitation. Of, I forget what it was. Yeah, you yeah. know what would have done something for me in this movie? Like when when uh, when she's being chased, and we find we first uh, in the at the beginning with the uh, the random girl who gets killed right at the beginning. Uh, she's traveling. Wait, are you talking about like the? Oh, you're talking about Annie. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know their names. Annie, I don't know Annie, any Annie. of their names. None so, of them. But after like the freeze frame. Yeah. No. Uh, no. 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 After the the 1958 murder. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. The first murder after that. You know, then right. she gets dropped off uh, by a friendly guy out of town. Friendly. Uh, yeah. With the groping yeah. and all that. <laughs> you're talking about the, the truck driver, right? Yeah, the, like, yeah. The, yeah. No. Didn't you see when she? when he puts her into the truck, he like literally grabs his hands, like puts it on her butt and like pushes her into the truck. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I was so concentrated on like this movie, just kind of like just dragging on. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when she gets killed in the woods and you see the fo- first, the, 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 that foot, it's like, okay, that took me out of it a little bit, but it would have done so much better if there was no music to that chasing. And it was just like a silent, like, you know, intense uh, uh, moment. 
And you, you, if you take the music out of that, it's like it adds a little bit of eerie atmosphere, like a white noise almost. Rob, do you, do you know the story behind the uh, the that that whole thing? I do. You want to like really lay it on us? <laughs> love it. Like, um, I forget who did the music for this movie, but they if and correct me if I'm wrong, but they sampled the Kill Ma. And so it is like supposed to be representative of when Pamela Voorhees comes in later and you start hearing her be like, kill her, mommy, kill her. And they just take those sound effects and go, that gets under your skin. That's creepy. You know that 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 was actually iconic for the like a lot of people found that really creepy. And I mean, what a great use. That's not even music, you know, like it was just a yeah. sample of it and, and it worked out really well. That ties to a theme in the movie. Um, it, I, I just thought it was really effective. And the other thing I think that the motif that I thought was kind of interesting in this movie that wasn't used before much, at least, was the the POV voyeuristic camera. Like, you know what I mean? To feel like you're being watched um, and and like almost killed in the front. Do you know what movie inspired this movie, by the way? No. What movie inspired? So you know what? This is the movie that drove Friday the 13th to, to, to come to fruition. And this is ex what exploded the horrors on it. Uh, the producers wanted to make a movie like Halloween. Halloween's success in the 70s, in the late 70s. Uh -huh. Drove, Those were great films. Yeah, they drove the producers to sense. say, we need to make our own version of this. Uh, you know, like, like everything Hollywood, right? One success denotes uh -huh. like... You know, and they uh, they went after it, but I think that they also kind of created a new form of horror in their own way, kind of. You know, yeah, it's like you take the slasher and then you, uh, how do we make it different, which then makes something unique for better or worse. And uh, <laughs> in this and case, it was they... worse but better because <laughs> it spawned a, like a whole uh, group of movies. Well, yeah, and I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street didn't even come out for like another four years, so. You can't even say that that was any sort of like real competition, right? Um, but like they all have this idea of like how do we do more of these? And then I'm mm. sure there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen on ending these films, like you were stating earlier, Rob. Yeah. But uh, but I do think it's interesting that like like I think about this like when we talked about Superman two and the idea of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and right. like this franchise effect. Right. That is not unique to today. You know, like that, like, how do we make money? How do we right. make money as cheap as possible, maybe with some of these films? But most but, horror movies, most horror yeah. movies are cheap, you know, which is, uh, it's, it's kind of the nature of the biz for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's strange to see, I don't know if it's like history repeating itself or whatever, but it is like when the more you dig, the more you realize that like, Oh, this is all like the same math equation. Just put a different script on top of it. I agree. But if you think about it, it even goes further than that, right, Rob? Like we, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but we, we talked about the original universal uh, horror movies, like the monsters, yeah. like we talked about the mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula, right? The Wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like those were kind of franchise connected. They tried to kind of oddly try to reboot that with the Tom Cruise movie, The Mummy That Bombed terribly oh, uh, that did bomb that terribly. was a bad idea the but, dark universe yeah the dark universe because it kind of was back in you know like back in the 30s 40s and 50s right but now we see a resurgence in that 
with Jason, Freddie, Mike Myers, you know, Michael Myers, sorry. And, and like all these new monsters that like are like circa seventies, eighties and nineties. And you have like a new resurgence of that. So it's like history repeating itself, like you're talking about, but it spawned what the new horror genre was about. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid being like, I'm never going to watch these movies. Like I was terrified being six years old and looking at, you know, Freddy Krueger or Jason, you know what I mean? And all that stuff. Let me let's go around the room though. Do we have a favorite horror film? It's tough because it, it, I think Scream was so influential to me as a kid, like mm-hmm. like as a Same. like as a young filmmaker because it was it it had the backdrop of movie themes. I think Scream is definitely up there, but then a movie that like really changed it for me. I think like in terms of like wow, that was really scary and well done. And I gotta, I gotta say that, like, maybe like, like the Ring, the first Ring, dude. Same. Yeah. I loved the yeah. Ring. I yeah. thought that shit was amazing, and I love Scream too. Yeah. And Scream One. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about Scream Three? <laughs> uh, that's yours, right, Peter? That's good, but yeah, I know, right? It. That's mine. That's mine. There you go. Um, <laughs> actually, for me, here's the thing. I love the Scream trilogy. I will say, like, that's probably my favorite horror movies ever i personally really like um sleepy hollow oh that's, that's a great a, one that's a yeah that one. is so much but fun. um but i will say this like the reason why i'm i'm down on these on on like the this movie or like superman 2 it's right goes back to you know everyone says oh you know the excuses you know it's the times and i'm all like there's no excuse because they're you know like for instance superman 2 you had empire strikes back well with this one it's it's sandwiched in between two iconic horror films. So Halloween. Uh, well, I wasn't even going to bring up Halloween. Oh, okay. I was going to bring up The Exorcist. Okay. In the seventies. Yeah. Which was terrifying. But in my opinion, and The Thing. The Thing is great, but like, let's go back to The Exorcist, right? Rob, I'm sure you have opinions about this too because you're a big horror fan and I really want to hear this. But By the way, Rob, you haven't even read us the back of this movie. Oh, yeah, we need oh, to hear the well, back of the box. Yeah. Would you guys like to hear the back of the VHS tape? Or let's let's do that. The... <laughs> okay, because I found a Laserdisc one too. Okay, sweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, the VHS tape goes like this. Well, here, let me take off the plastic real quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Terror and suspense abound in this 24-hour nightmare of blood. Camp Crystal Lake has been shuttered for over 20 years due to several vicious and unsolved murders. The camp's new owner and seven young counselors are readying the property for the opening, despite warnings of the death curse by local residents. The curse proves true on Friday the 13th, as one by one, each of the counselors is stalked by a violent killer. This film is widely acclaimed for its horrifying and creative murder sequences. Rated R. Right. Why? Wow. All right. Now we're, I'm just going to take it right back to The Exorcist real quick. Yes, just please. to put it. So <laughs> I will rewatch The Exorcist maybe like about like two years ago, whatever. And it is terrifying for one fundamental reason, I think, is that we dealt with demonic possession. Yes. Even so, that movie to me has a lot of cheesy moments that I'm like, I find it laughable. For the time, they were terrifying, but it's also because of the concept of 
it keeps you thinking like, you know, you dive into like the religious aspect and like, oh, this could be real. And it's like, you don't have control of your body. And like this little chick, like, you know, cursing and, you know, like masturbating with a crucifix. Like it, it's, it's, it's intense for the time. But oh, yeah. Um, it's still the form language of it is still kind of like, well, I mean, like we, we look at newer movies where that is a motif and it's, and it's terrifying. And maybe like 20 years from now, we're going to look back on them and be like, that was so cheesy, you know, like, um, that's my, that's my feeling about it. Um, I will say this Friday the 13th is a pinch me on the arm movie. If you haven't seen it, especially if you're a horror fanatic, it's not a punch you in the face. It's not a punch you in the face one. I think we can deal with that. (laughs) I'm glad we brought that back. Yes. We were lacking in, in injuring ourselves and, uh, yeah, but I agree. It's not a punch you in your face, but it is a must watch for people who enjoy horror. If only just to like see how things develop. It's the origin of of a new genre that then spawned even better movies uh, later on. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, it's definitely a pinch you pinch yourself in the arm movie. Uh, there you sure. go. Now, I will say this, guys: there are a couple of movies that, like, you know, when you look at horror, a lot of times we do go straight to like slasher. You know, right? But That's true. Exorcist is not slasher. It's very, like you're saying, very psychological. Very like core beliefs especially for those of us who grew up in the united states it's like um oh my god even if i don't quite believe in god like the chance that there's so much history with religion this is terrifying now there's another film that i have to say is so hard to beat in the horror genre that i i i have never met a person who's seen this movie that has said they don't like it and that is The Shining. You know there what? There you go. Yes. The it, Shining is a very good film as well. I, I got to tell you, though, it's really funny. I was actually on a date like maybe two weeks ago with a girl who is a very big Stephen King fan. Yeah. She's a little bit younger, different generation, um, and but she's a mega Stephen King fan. And she read The Shining, and she had never seen the original movie. So I was like, you know what? Wow. We're going to watch it. And we watched The Shining, and... She liked it, but obviously being a fan of the book, she had some stuff to say. She was like, look, it's not a bad, it's a, re, it's a well-made movie for the time. Stanley but I think Kubrick. It, it didn't impact her, but then we watched Dr. Sleep right after, and I yes. hadn't seen Dr. Sleep. I haven't seen it yet, but I hear such amazing things. It blew me away, guys. But I think the only way to watch that movie is if you watch The Shining first, so you gain an appreciation for what they did with the second one, with the sequel, which is Doctor Sleep. But I, I look, man, I'm going to say it personally, I fucking love The Shining. <laughs> wait, wait, yes. hold on. I have not seen Doctor Sleep, so I should check that out. I think uh, we, sh- you should, and I definitely think we should review it because it is a very well-made film. Oh wow! Well, it's maybe a- that will be how we cap our October. Is we could all be. give ourselves time to do that. No promises, listeners, but it's on the list. How about that? <laughs> all right, guys. So, I mean, we've obviously been throwing back comments back and forth, but Rob, man, you want to walk us through a little bit? You know, let's let's do a little quick recap well, of the film uh, of where where we start and where we're kind of like. Let's just take us to like the mid action of this thing, right? Yeah. So everyone has arrived at camp. We kind of meet all of our main players. They're being stalked. We we know this. Um, you know. Kids start getting picked off. Like the goofy guy goes first. You know, you get the you get the sort of like uh, I don't know. There's a eeriness in the air, 
And very shortly, we start seeing that, like, as I stated in the VHS reading, one by one they're taken off, and it is left to Alice and just a handful of people, Alice being what is colloquially known as the final girl. Um, right. On the, well, I was going to say on the hunt, but she's on the run yeah. from this mysterious foe that we don't know why they are hunting these kids down. There's only lore. And so a storm comes in. The owner of the camp is trapped at a diner, but we don't know if he's the killer. It's it's really tense at about an hour marker into this movie. <sighs> okay. The thing is, like, yeah, you know... You, you guys are listening, uh, you know, like the, our, our audience is listening, but I'm actually looking at Peter when he did that sigh, and that's that expression said it all. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, guys. I was bored watching this thing. I'm literally like, like I didn't know who any, like I said, I reckon I saw Kevin Bacon. I was like, okay, so what's Kevin Bacon going to do in this movie? And then that's he's gonna it. Die. I, he's going to die, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. Uh, for instance, like, when they're all playing in the lake, right? And then one one of the girls looks over and sees the bushes moving. Yeah. I think that should have been a shot and nobody notices. Like they're all playing and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a shot of the bushes moving, you know, like something's in the bushes and nobody notices. But then that takes it out. That takes me away from the movie because originally this movie is supposed to be first person perspective. You see what I mean? Yeah, like the so POV, then, it, but yeah. It in other words, it takes me out of the whole experience because if I'm the killer, yeah. or the the audience is the killer, right? And it's all being done by first person perspective, then you shouldn't have that shot of of the killer in the bushes. I mean, I get, I guess it kind of, you know, it's like that voyeuristic uh, look of the camera so that you feel that they're being watched. I think they were trying to experiment with the film language back then. But I, one thing that I do have. I have a big gripe with this movie, Rob, uh, and, oh, and maybe you can on. maybe you can tell me if. Uh, so one of the things I remember, the, like I had, I saw Scream before I saw Friday the Thirteenth, and that first iconic question that they asked. Oh Barrymore, yes, I was going to get to this. Name the killer in Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> Jason, Jason, Jason. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the wrong answer. And, and like they trick her, and you know she's like, I didn't know that, and then I was like, oh cool, I'm going to watch this movie now, and I watched it. And they lied. Well, it is Mrs. Voorhees. It's never. It's never Jason. Jason wasn't the killer in the first one until like until that last the scare, end. right? But here's yeah. my deal with this movie, right? She talks about how you know a kid drowned, and you know she was the and like we find out that she was the mom, and like the the counselors were having sex, and that's why the kid drowned, and now she kills camp counselors. Like, why did we need to open up the movie with her murdering two random? counselors just having sex right and then jump into the story of the new counselors who are also just having fun and sex trying to reopen the camp couldn't we have done the scene where she kills the kids who had sex after jason drowned like we have to establish that a kid drowned so that would that, have been a better yeah, story that would have been a better tie to it because we're like oh this poor kid drowned and these kids are having sex so now somebody's killing them because of that i guess they wanted to keep you like guessing but to me it just kind of like when, when Pamela Voorhees shows up at the end, it just felt like, well, here's our killer, guys. And we're like, well, who the – like, what the fuck does she have to do with this story until she vocalizes? Her performance yeah, exactly. is great, but I don't know. I, she, I, she, she, yeah, it was um, – I was kind of lost 
actually, there was one great scene in this entire movie that I really, really, really liked. Which was? It was, um, it was the moment where Leprechaun 2 called because they wanted their moment back. <laughs> <laughs> this girl turns around. There's an axe behind her. She turns around. And then there's oh, like a, 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 a moment on her face like, and then, and then she gets the axe in the head. And I'm just like, oh, hey, Leprechaun 2 called. They want that moment back. Because the Leprechaun came before or after? After. But I'm just making a joke. The point is, yeah. is that that was the worst acting I've ever seen. Dude, Peter, I am right there with you. And it's so funny. I watched this again with uh, my girlfriend who had never seen it before. And we both came to the same realization. This actress was doing like an amazing impression in the mirror. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Audrey Hepburn. talks about like wanting to be, uh, you know, Catherine in the Hepburn, movies yeah. and everything Catherine like Hepburn. that. <laughs> yeah. But then her death on screen is the like most lackluster, unenergetic yeah. or believable scream I've ever seen in yeah, my life. Yeah, that was bad. That was, that was te- I'm sorry. That was terrible. I mean, like that was and that was the only te- take you got from her. You couldn't, you couldn't like, I don't know, roll, let's roll the camera again. Let's try something else or just cut it all out. And then like, once the ax comes up over her in the shadow, she shuts the curtain and then, you know, it blacks out. You hear the sound, you see the, the ax in the yeah. head. It's, it's all about the editing. You know, the, the movie can be yeah, made great with the editing. You didn't need that whole. It, ah! it, the problem that I have with this movie <laughs> is definitely uh, Peter, you hit it right on the head. The, my biggest problem with the movie is the the editing because no, you linger on moment. You needed to tighten up those sequences a lot. Like, they needed that, to be quicker the cuts. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, there's a lot of when the best character things. in the movie, Ralph, comes out of the yeah. pantry and nobody does anything after that. I'm sorry, you have a crazy person who's just been hanging out in your pantry. I know it's just so and weird. nobody and they just oh, okay. Well, he's a crazy person. Let's just go back to making sandwiches. Literally, that's what they do in the next scene. There's a problem. Yeah, I, but yeah. again, I think it's just I, I just wanted to make sure that we knew. Like, I don't know if you agree, Rob. Like, we need like don't you think those sequences needed to be tightened up, like editing wise, oh, yeah. like quicker cuts. Oh, yeah. This is not like winning any retroactive Academy Awards in any (laughs) way, shape, or form. Retroactive. Uh, uh, But it is like... I I talk about this with my buddy. I used to work at a coffee shop that shared a a wall with a video rental, like the last video rental ever. This is after Suncoast? Yeah, this was after Suncoast. This was in college. And... uh, and we would talk about these sort of things that's like, you know, Friday the 13th or yeah, Friday the 13th. I'm looking it up real quick. I want to know what its budget was. Um, well, I mean, while you look that up, though, I mean, like, I got to say, like, this is also me as a filmmaker. Like, I, I appreciated what they were doing because, you know, horror has traditionally always been a lower budget genre. And yeah. like the cheesiness of the lower budget and the experimenting with it and everything like it's kind of what gives horror its it's kind of uh, skin, I guess. And, and traditionally horror movies have always been lower budget, but the most fun to make because they're low budget and they like, they collect at the box office, man. So, oh, yeah. So like, so first of all, this was made for, it says its budget was $700,000 for which, 1980 is uh, yeah, it's low. That's low. I mean, how much was it? 
$700,000. It made $59.8 million. That's a huge success. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and this is definitely because we have been able to see these movies and we have grown up in a time where stuff like this has been made and there's been tons Uh. of flops in horror, but like, give me $13,000 and I could take five people to a summer camp and it's like, we could really make a good horror movie. You How know? much did the Evil Dead cost to make? Because I heard Evil that it was like ten thousand. Ten thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, you had you had um, uh, uh, Sam Bruce Campbell. No, Sam Raimi. He was <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. he was a magician, and some people don't understand how he did some of the shots in that movie, and that was ten grand. But the but the makeup but you, is still pretty bad in it, and like yeah, but it's it was still, still pretty but, cheesy. But yeah. It was cheesy, but it actually like. You could tell that there was effort from the director. Well, I think that's the thing. I feel like uh, we, I have, this is actually a cool story. We, I was talking to my, my friend. She's an executive for Sony, and, and she had gone to this film festival once or, or I forget, like the American film market or whatever. And apparently these kids from an African country like, like, like Zimbabwe, like not Zimbabwe, I mean like somewhere, somewhere that was like obscure, put this action movie together that was just so like – you can tell it was like just ultra cheaply made, right? Yeah. Like, like terrible mm-hmm. visual effects, terrible, like just, you know, production design or whatever, but people roared and cheered. And the reason was they saw the passion and the spirit. It was all about the spirit behind the movie yeah. on how they executed this, this story that they wanted to tell. And that goes to show that, like, you know, storytelling is storytelling, guys. Like, yeah, you could have all the bells and whistles like a lot of movies do and flop it if you don't have it, if you don't have, you know, the passion and the spirit behind it, I think. Exactly. You know, so I think, yeah. I, I don't know if that's what you're trying to say, Peter. Um, <clears throat> that's exactly what I'm trying to say, <laughs> yeah. actually. That's exactly, that is to a T exactly what I'm trying to say. Because you could tell, I don't know. I think the director for Friday the 13th was in his head a little bit, actually a lot. And mm-hmm. he's just tr- like, he was, um, cause it became, this is the reason it's, it's suffering from Superman two syndrome. <laughs> so Superman <laughs> two. Coining new phrases. <laughs> I love Superman it. two, oh, the Superman two syndrome. The reason why it was boring <laughs> was because all you did was see Zod come in and say, I am powerful. Kneel to me. I am powerful. Kneel to me. It was on repetition. It was like a broken record. So this movie it, it suffered from that. You don't get to know any of the characters. It was how to find new ways to creatively kill someone. How to find creative ways to kill someone. How to find new and creative ways to kill someone. Or, or it, that's all that it, that's all that spoke to me. You know, you, you that's that's interesting. You say that too because I not when it's the it only really thing going in the movie. Because if I'm not uh, if I'm not attached to any of the characters, if you're trying to kill someone, might as well watch Friday, uh, Final Destination. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry hey. for cutting you off, Rob. No, I can't argue with that. Yeah. But what I do think is interesting is like you'll you'll oftentimes hear interviews with like creators of this movie and ones like it that have been done years later, and they've like got this quote that they they keep saying like we had one rule: if you have sex, you die. Yeah. But that actually doesn't happen in this movie very much like a couple right. of couples die well both couples well, but i think it's and more the... of like what you were saying peter you know it's yeah. like no what are the creative ways we can make people die yes. what, uh, what was the name of the guy that's like the the, the the clown in this movie that was like so like i was like oh my god oh, I like punch ned, this dude. I ned yeah like he doesn't have sex he gets killed 
Um, yep. You know, there's a. They, I mean, they play strip poker and some of them die. You know what I mean? Or not they strip all poker, die. strip strip Monopoly. Yeah, uh, they all die. Monopoly, all of them. The most uh, yeah. boring strip game. But then, like the most wholesome-looking girl is the one that I guess like survives. You know. But I got a question. Uh, I, I just want to – I'm going to shift gears here real quick because this is something that I was watching the movie and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this, right? Because actually, I think that Pamela Voorhees, like uh, – what's the actor's name? Um, oh, I have it right Betsy, here. Uh, Betsy, Betsy Palmer. Palmer. Yeah, Betsy Palmer. Uh, I thought Betsy Palmer was a pretty good choice for Mrs. Voorhees because she's kind of a big woman. Like she's like tall and like she looks like she can handle herself. Yeah. And I thought her performance was actually pretty creepy and pretty – well done for the time. And My she question, was huge. She, was, she huge. was a huge star at the time. Yeah, she was huge. She wow, was. Really? She was. Yeah. She actually gave uh, Vor- Mrs. Voorhees a a detailed backstory to like create this, right? So my question for you guys is: Is she being possessed by the spirit of Jason when she's like, "Kill her, mommy! Kill her! Don't let her get away!" You know that kind of thing, or which is creepy. I think that she does it really well, or is it just good old fashioned psychosis? I think it's okay. good old fashioned psychosis. And I am really glad you brought this up because I have two schools of thought for this movie. Okay. And um, I'm going to stand up on my soapbox real quick. No, do it. Um, do, please it. Do. do it. I think that if this is straightforward psychosis, that's awesome. Uh, keep the dream sequence of Jason. You know, that's, that's not real, whatever. Right. Uh, what this movie deserves is a Mrs. Voorhees backstory movie, if that's the case. Let's see her descent into madness from Bro, everything why don't we make that, that we movie? have experienced. I would give my entire life savings to be a part of that film. <laughs> let's, let's, why don't we make that movie, man? <laughs> well, that at movie the end of this yet? episode, I have another idea I want to pitch to you guys as well. So just, I'm opening up the script notebook. But, there we go. Um, but I think that would be a just amazing story to tell if it's yeah. straight on psychosis, which I'm okay with. Well, look at, look at, look at Joker, right? Look at the success of Joker. Yes. What if, what if you go in that, that kind of style with it? That, that would be kind of exactly. interesting. Man. Yeah. By the way, these ideas are all copyrighted audience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. We're recording this. It is, that is how the legal knees, whatever it works that way. Uh, <laughs> But if we're going to go supernatural where she is being possessed by Jason, right. then that gives the golden ticket for every sequel to this movie. Anything supernatural that, makes a lot of that sense. happens from here on out can be justified by looking at this through a supernatural lens. So although it can be cheesy and maybe not right. well executed, there's at least reasoning for you know jason goes to space or whatever that one was oh god you know? yeah no that was ridiculous but jason uh, x yeah that's it. oh god um okay. did you uh, well, so because you know my my at first when i saw it i was like it, i think it's a mixture of both i think it's like psychosis because she doesn't quite understand what's going on but it is supernatural in some sense because yeah there's that dream sequence where they pulled out but apparently we get a hint that maybe it did kind of happen. And then we get that iconic shot at the end of the water where we see some of the ripples under the water. Uh, and it looks yeah. like someone's breathing under there. So it's almost like, Hey, 
you know, maybe Jason has been the cause of this whole kind of curse or haunting at Camp Crystal Lake all along. You know what I mean? And he kind of yeah, got to his mother. Way to look at it. I think I think that that's kind of my my sentiment of it. The other thing that weirdly popped to mind when I watched this movie was because I actually enjoyed it when I watched it in high school. I'll have to rewatch it to see because I I took it for what it was. Is did you guys like Freddy versus Jason? by the way. Oh man, I was just talking about this. I have only seen it the one time and I think I watched it the exact same way you described, Rob. Like, I don't remember, I hadn't binged any of the series previous. I don't even yeah. know how many I had seen. So yeah, took it for what it was and I I had a fun time, you know, in like high school watching it. Yeah. But yeah. haven't seen it since. What about you? I saw it in high school. I saw it in theaters and um, I don't know. I was just like, you know, Freddie to me was never a... Um, was never a scary bad guy because you know it depends on what brain you go to you go <laughs> what brain you go into the yeah. you go into my dreams it's like you're probably not gonna have the same effect yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're gonna get out of there fun but um, <laughs> Jason yeah. winning I mean that would make sense I guess because Freddie would be weaker but I I was just not I don't know like they 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 were attempting to do these cinematic universes even back then back in the early two thousands which. You know, it's, you know, always like looking forward and trying to, you know, trying to do something cool like that mm-hmm. is always, you know, trying to change the game around. The problem is, is that it was poorly executed. I don't know. You yeah. Know? I, it just made me think because it kind of, I think, tied some of that backstory. I think I, from what I remember, it kind of dives into the mythology of both characters and it dove a little bit into the mythology of, uh, of the Jason character. Now, I also remember thinking I saw the, like, I guess the reboot of Friday the 13th that came out with 2009 or something like that, Rob? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I have not seen that one. That one was really? a little more interesting, yeah, because we that one started off, like, there was no Mrs. Voorhees in it. It's it's actually Jason with the hockey mask and stuff, but they, I thought it was kind of interesting. I think, I mean, ultimately, for me, it's kind of a flop, but it's worth watching. But again, it dives into a little bit more of that Jason mythology, which kind of oddly is what, like, it sent me in that thought process after watching Pamela Voorhees, like, talk in her son's voice. I got a question for you guys. Why is Friday the 13th a bad day? Like, what, what, makes, it, what makes it, like, a cursed day? Ooh, that's a good question. That I mean, because, like, question. here's the thing. I mean, days just blend together. I'm not, I don't, like, all the days of the week are named after Roman or Greek gods, depending on what language you use. Yeah. So Friday is named Thor. Uh, Thursday is named after Thor, and Friday is named after Frigga, who's the mother of Thor, and she was uh, raised by witches. O- uh, Wednesday is named after Odin. Woden. Uh, they made a whole movie about these these people. I don't know if you saw them in this, thir- this cinematic universe, the Marvel Cinematic. But um, my point is, is that what makes thirteen? Oh, here it is. A bad number, and why is Friday associated with? You know, is it because Frigga was a witch? No, I just Googled it over here and it popped up. So according to the History Channel, which I'll trust, it says, <laughs> Friday the 13th is unlucky. According to biblical, biblical tradition, 13 guests attended the Last Supper held on Monday, Thursday, including Jesus and his 12 apostles, one of whom Judas betrayed him. The next day, of course, was Good Friday, the day of Jesus' crucif- crucifixion. So I think it probably spawned like some old superstition. It's like, you know, like, why do you get seven years on, you know, like, why is it uh, seven years bad luck to break a mirror? 
it's because in Roman times, they believed that the mirror uh, was a reflection of your soul. Like it was oh. the soul world. And if you broke the mirror, you were cursing your soul to an existence. Like they actually believed it was the portal to your soul. That's why you saw the reflection. So I think that- Well, I also um, was doing some Googling and I see what you found, uh, Rob, on yeah. a little website called Wikipedia. I don't know yeah. if you guys have heard of it. No, um, actually, is a new one? Yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you can really trust it, but- uh, I get all my that- information still from Encyclopedia Britannica. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> up on, above your fireplace right now. Yeah, um, yeah, I've got all yeah, twenty six volumes. <laughs> that's, that's there, but also, Peter, you might find this interesting since you were talking about uh, Norse mythology. The unlucky nature of the number thirteen originated with a Norse myth about twelve gods having a dinner party at Valhalla. Boom! And that Loki, who was not invited, arrived as the thirteenth guest. Wow! So, oh, that's cool. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's part of it, and then that flowed into. I don't know. I love. I it. rather go he, with the uh, Norse one, man. I think that one's way more interesting. Yeah, like that, that I, yeah. ties it up a little better. The other one's kind of more like conspiracy theory. Yeah, no, the other ones, uh, you know, like okay, so there are twelve apostles, and then Jesus makes him the thirteenth person, and so he dies on Good Friday, so the thirteenth person dies. All right, that that I can I can buy into that, but the Norse one that sounds interesting. That sounds, uh, cool that sounds pretty yeah, cool. That sounds cool. But you notice even with Norse mythology, Christianity, all these they all come up with the same numbers. Yeah. Good and bad yeah. numbers. It's very interesting how that how that all works out. I wonder if all of these are connected. I wonder if maybe the <laughs> But that's another discussion for the another nature time. of like the unlucky uh, stigma that comes with the number 13 came from that same Norse mythology. Like you know like if maybe Friday the 13th spawned the fact that 13 is an unlucky number. I don't know. True. Yeah. What came first? Man, the you just like the galaxy brained me there. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. The things a horror movie can do for us, fellas. There we go. <laughs> well, hey, guys, I don't want to forget to say this because I did open up the old beat sheet notebook of mine. Mm. And I've been working on an idea. Friday the 13th really inspired me. And I just want to, you know, tell me it's shit if it's shit, but uh, I wanted to share it with you live on the podcast so that we can once again say it's copyrighted. Um, Yes. I really enjoy war films that are set in Vietnam. I think Mm -hmm. it's a tricky situation. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if you transposed and changed what needed to be changed, but essentially did Friday the 13th set in Vietnam? Where instead of a counselor's going to a summer camp, it's a new soldier being uh, put in a platoon or a squad, and they're getting hunted by someone who, here's the twist, is actually a U.S. Marine that has gone crazy. Well, I think, personally, as a director, I would say we, it's like, it's like, I guess it's the same style of like, Point Break and the first Fast and the Furious, right? Yes. <laughs> they are exactly the same mm-hmm. movie, like mm-hmm. almost to the T, mm-hmm. except one deals with cars and, you know, the other one deals with surfers. And, you know, there's not much of a difference in that sense, but you change the skin of the movie, but the skeleton remains the same. I think that's kind of like what you're hinting at, Rob, which I think would be a very interesting movie as well, you know? I just need to find the chili pepper that makes the stew spicy, you know? There we go. 
Well, guys, this has been awesome. I'm so glad that, you know, the final thought that I have about Friday the 13th is that, like, for all of its warts, for everything that makes it not a perfect film or a punch-yourself-in-the-face film, um, it is a party film. It is a movie that when you're throwing a Halloween party or just having some friends over and want to poke fun at something and just still have a good time, you don't have to be completely invested in it to still have a good time. You know, you can laugh at the silliness of it. You can still get scared by some of the jump scares. You can get grossed out. But you can have your friends over and not worry too much about, like, someone on their phone, maybe. I personally think that Friday the 13th is a great um, kind of, like, film history look into a new generation of horror that got spawned in the 80s. I think that it... um, it, it started the creative kill genre because that was something that it was no. And back in the day, you have to remember like to see somebody take an ax to the face or an arrow through the chest, that was kind of unheard of. And I think that that's what spawned the awe factor of it. Uh, essentially. Yeah. You know, it has its, all its flaws and stuff like that. But you know, if you're a movie fan or a filmmaker, I think you should watch it in the sense that you can see kind of where everything started so that you know what mistakes not to make yeah. in that sense. So yeah. I don't know what you think, Peter, in, uh, in the closing remarks. Well, um, I do think that this movie, uh, how do you put it? It was lucky to, to spawn <laughs> such a great, such a great, um, I mean, I wouldn't call it a great, but, you know, spawn something that is as famous as Jason Voorhees. You know, I don't even know where they came up with that idea of like, oh, let's make Jason Voorhees. You know, I I would love to know about the creative process that it went from the first Friday the 13th to the second. And then finally, once he gets the mask on that, that to me is a very interesting, you know, subject matter, because how did this kid survive being in the water, all that stuff. But um, in closing, yeah, it's it's a nice little time capsule movie to see how independent film was done back in the day, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. how, how script needed, how certain scripts and you know, need to be beat out and, you know, certain directors need to, um, take a little bit more time to see what they're shooting. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been another awesome episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I want to remind the audience to leave us a five star rating and review. And since it's October, Head into that review segment and tell us what your favorite horror movie is. You know, we want to learn about what the audience likes. Guys, this has been fun. This was fun. It's always fun it's with, always fun. Uh, with <laughs> you guys and the movies that we choose. And sometimes, you know, like opening up a new perspective, guys. So I appreciate you guys bringing so much to the table. I, yeah, I'm very happy that uh, that we actually get to do this. This has been a real big honor, guys. But um, we're actually going to have to leave it there. For uh, Rob and Rob, I am Peter Madrigal, and you are listening to Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. Shine.